0: Good morning. Let's pray. Let's get into it. Lord, we thank you um, for all that you're doing, for who you are. We thank you for the the moment and offering with that sweet music that um, continues to whisper to our hearts of who you are. Lord, we pray that uh, you would say what you want to say this morning. We would ask, what do you want to say? How would you have us respond? Lord, we want to hear what you want us to hear. And so I pray that we would lay down our expectations, our agenda, um, so that we can step into that posture of being a slave to Christ, to allow you to do what you want to do in us and through us. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a beautiful day. On Memorial Day weekend, the fact that people are here is shocking to me, <laughs> and I feel like a terrible person because people are like, "Oh, I wouldn't miss it." I'm like, "I would. <laughs> I would not be here." No. Um, and it, when you look at outside and you see how beautiful it is, and we're looking forward to summer. One of the things that in my house we are not looking forward to is the bugs. Anybody else there? The bugs. So my kids are at an age now where they're very aware now of this, the Minnesota cycle. For those of you that don't know, I'm, my family and I are originally from Southern California. So it's a little different there in how the bugs go and the operating procedures of the bugs. And so it's very different. And my, especially for my son Emmett, who's not a fan of the creepy crawlers, and we were sitting outside the other day, and he's, we're having a lunch outside together, just he and I, and he looks at me almost with that panicked look, but he doesn't want to panic because mom and dad have told him not to panic. So he's holding the freeze panic. Do you know what I'm talking about? That thing? And he goes, dad, there's a bug in your hair. And I said, what? He goes, there's a bug. Now there's a four-year-old who's putting full body movement in your hair, just like that. And I go like this, and he goes, oh, phew. I go, what? He goes, it was just my imagination. (laughs) The bugs are already messing with my kids, man. <laughs> They're already messing with my kids. Well, welcome this morning. It's always good to start with laughter, right, amen? It's good for the soul. Well, we are in chapter 15. Uh, in our, this will be our third year in Romans. And for those of you that are visiting today, I'll give you a recap and, uh, of kind of where we've been and why we're doing this. Uh, we have been in this journey in the letter of Romans because the Lord made us aware that what the church really needs to pour into is how do we hold or sit with Jesus in the tension of what this culture around us in the U.S. brings. Where there's a kind of a mentality where everything goes now, scripture doesn't have the authority it once had, or there's this attitude of we condone those places of tension or we condemn them. But Jesus does something different in the scriptures. He does something that's on nobody's radar. When you look at the woman caught in adultery and how he handled her, he didn't condemn her, but he didn't condone her actions. She had an encounter with him that changed her. And so what happens when we yoke ourselves to Jesus in the midst of tensions? Because Paul is writing to a Rome that is not too dissimilar to the culture that we are in. Philosophies everywhere Everything's kind of allowed. It's a very challenging place to be in. So there are parallels. And so we want to allow Jesus to show us how to hold that tension. But we cannot do that without verse 1 of chapter 1 in Romans. Paul states, the very beginning, I, Paul, finish it with me, folks, a slave to Christ. Why is this important? Because right out of the gate, it postures, it shows us the posture that each Christian needs to have. And that's allowing God to have lordship over our lives. When we, when we ask, when we talk to other Christians, one of the phrases we say, when did you give your life to Christ? Who's heard it put that way? You've given it to him. There's a transaction of sorts. He is taking from you what you are offering him. How many have said that in your, in your life? Lord, I've given my life to you. Well, what we like to do is play givebacks. Who's played givebacks with your life with Jesus? Oh, it's so hard. And Paul is saying, Paul makes it simple. None of the things that you would even dream of doing, you can do without him, which means if you're giving your life to him, let him have it. Easier said than done, right folks? But that's what Paul and Christ through Paul is demanding. That's the posture. Why he says that right out of the gate. Because nothing else he says is going to matter if we don't understand that we belong to him. Because the word slave in the Greek means to choose to have no choice. I am choosing to give up my right to decide. To decide what I think I need or what I think I want. For what he wants for us. And remember, it's all about us and him. And last week, Mark did an excellent... Uh, message on the hope we have in him fixating on verse 13 may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit hope is key and hope is not something that you or I can manufacture how many have tried creating your own hope anyone other than me it doesn't work It looks good on the, it's like fool's gold. Oh, I found gold. Nope, you didn't. There isn't that substance to it. And that's important for us to understand as we walk with Christ that he is our hope. And it's important for us to stand for these verses today. And we will be uh, diving into verses 14 uh, through 22, landing more so in 17 verses 18. About seven years ago, it was probably about a year into my tenure here i'm fresh out of southern california i'm learning a new culture and all this so i went to to connect with different people outside of this place i went to familiar ministries to uh, connect with leaders of ministries and this and this and that and i remember meeting i had a couple of guys with me and i remember meeting one of these leaders and i was excited because You know, I felt like something familiar is happening. I know this ministry. I know what it can produce. I'm excited to have this lunch. And I like barbecue. And I was over barbecue. So what's not to like? So I sit down with this person. And this person is giving me the litany of all their accolades for Christ. I've saved this many people for Jesus. I just saw someone cringe. And I did the same thing. And I have no poker face. So... (laughs) This person saw me cringe, and he just kept going. Oh, 27, this is how you should do it. And then here, here's a book for you, and this will show you how to do it. And I'm going, oh my goodness, red flags, red flags all over the place. And then, then you're at a crossroads because you're trying not to be judgmental. You're trying not to be like this person. Oh my goodness. And that's very hard. Who's met those kind of people where it's hard not to create a judgment? But you saw, I was witnessing someone that took value, their value was found in what they could do for Christ instead of Jesus himself. And he was so excited to be used by Jesus, but he was giving, he was taking credit. And so we leave that place and he gives me, he goes, here, here's a book to do things the way I do it and you can save all these people. And I kind of did that, I did that thing where at this point I was just, I had no patience. Okay, hands me the book. And as I receive the book, this is what my hand does. He goes, you're not going to read the book, are you? I said, no, (laughs) I'm not going to read the book. And I walked away from that, and the Lord told me I need to start praying for this person. So I I started. But when we look in the verses today, we are going to see Paul explain a few things. We're going to see Paul talk about how the people he's writing to, he says, and I'll read it in just a minute, he says to them, I know you know the stuff that I'm telling you. I know you know it. I know you're competent In teaching it. I know that. But I'm still going to remind you. I'm still going to keep driving this in you. Because if we don't get this. We are going to miss Christ. Because apart from him. We can do nothing. So Paul is explaining this. And then he says. I am his. He says what his motivation is. He wants people that don't. Have not heard of Jesus. To hear about Jesus. That's what drove his ministry. So he went all to these different places to establish churches where they did not hear about him. By what he does something in verse 17, verse 18, that we can gloss over that is our tension today. And it's this. It's about how we see ourselves in Christ and how we boast about Christ within us. Because Paul talks about, and he's very clear on the boundaries in which he's talking about, he talks about what Christ has done within him. We go, Paul's done amazing things. And Paul would say, Yep, but Jesus did them. He used me to accomplish his will, and I will glorify him within myself. He's not going, Oh, I saved 400,000 people for Jesus, and look at this long belt with all these notches. That's not what he's saying. And he doesn't go the self diminishment route, because this is how we kind of do it we overinflate. And find our value and how God uses us. Or we diminish ourselves. And those who have a healthy understanding. I love being around those people. Because it's very hard for me to get to a place. To, to just be confident in who Jesus is within me. And be okay to show that. Because you feel it's either arrogant or this or that. And what Paul models is a way to hold the balance in that. Because it's always going to be about Jesus and in Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, if you could please open them up to Romans chapter 15. And we are going to start. I'm going to start again from verse 13, and we're going to read through. And it's a little long, so just relax, and let me read this over us this morning. And continue to ask as we're reading, Lord, what do you want to say to me? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, important word, because of all this, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we see a boundary. He says, I'm only going to boast about one thing. Just him. Nothing except him. Now, this may not seem important, but it is important. Because are we, as Christians, as the church, are we supposed to make God known within us to everyone that we meet? Yes or no? Yes. And part of that process is having a healthy picture of him and a healthy picture of who we are to him. Because oftentimes, I will go to self-diminishment because I have an unhealthy picture of myself and can't accept sometimes the beautiful picture of Jesus because it does not match my I need to do this to earn this. As much as I can say grace and anyone can say grace, oh, it's about grace, 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 Wonderful. We can define it, but we don't, we don't know how it functions, how it works. It's too big. And so I can say grace all the time. My daughter's name is Grace, almost to remind me. And still, I will go to diminishment. When someone honors something God is doing in my life, I will go to diminishment. So I will, fir- I will be the first to tell you I'm a hypocrite with this stuff. I'll be the first. But I think... We need to be authentic about those things as best we can. Because if someone comes to me and starts diminishing what God is doing in them, I'll be the first to get our, take them to task on it. But if they do that to me and start saying, Oh, God did this through you and all this, I begin to explain it away. Or there are some that go, Yep, I did that because I'm a prophet or I'm a this, I'm a that. We start to identify ourselves with the gifts of God or we identify ourselves with the virtues of God rather than Jesus himself. So you see these two polar opposites. And you see in the story of this, this uh, paraministry guy, he went on one side going, I'm this and that because God chose to use me. I'm this and that. Well, where's the glory to what Jesus did through you? Because you didn't do this. He did this. But then there's my side of things. And many of us, where we go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. there was this guy I grew up with in, in high school. I didn't like him. My brother brought him to the house all the time. I didn't like him at all. I didn't like him in my house. I didn't really like to talk to him. He had a very rough past. Um, he, was, uh, he grew up in a, a racist environment, so he was violent in that regard and all this. And I, I didn't want to have anything to do with him at all. And he kept coming to our house. Then he started coming to youth group. And I'm like, oh, this guy is everywhere. He's like a bad penny. He won't go away. He just won't go away. And I want him to go away. Has anyone felt that way other than me? And then I start feeling bad about how I'm feeling towards him. And now I go down the shame spiral and this guilt spiral. Then in the midst of all that shame and guilt, he comes up to me and says, hey, would you meet with me? Now, this is a brilliant guy. Brilliant. Always has an argument for everything. Knows a lot of stuff. And I go, why, one, would you want to meet with me? And two, why would I want to meet with you? But I felt the Lord very clearly saying yes. So I met with him. He has no relationship with Jesus. Met with him. I met with him weekly. And every time I could not wait to get out of that meeting. I just, it just drained me. So one day we're having lunch. He says to me, he looks you straight in the eyes, very intently. We're just shooting the breeze. He goes, when are you going to ask me? I said, ask you what? <laughs> Clueless. He goes, when are you going to ask me? Again, I repeat, ask you what? And he says, when I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. When are you going to ask me if I want to? Yeah, jaw dropped. I said, why do you want to do that? He says to me, because I saw Jesus in you because you're the first person that would meet with me this way. No, I'm not. And I start diminishing. I start talking myself out of it. I start saying, no, no, I didn't want to be around you. I didn't want to, Ah, no, no, na. And I start diminishing myself to the point I'm all teared up. But here's the deal. Instead of going, oh, I wasn't enough and I didn't like you and this, and that, I should have been going, praise God that he got me off that fence and allowed me to show up. It's all him. And, uh, so, you know, when people go, if, if, if I'm so blessed to hear someone say, that was a great message, I've learned to just say thank you because I would go, well, it was all him, da-da-da-da. But here's the, here's the deal, folks. Paul had to say yes to Jesus. You still have to say yes to Jesus. And that's just, that's just the testimony, the power of Jesus in your life that people can be so messed up and feel so ashamed, but they'll still say yes to Jesus. That brags not about you, but it brags about his greatness and his glory. He doesn't need us, yet he chooses us. He does not need you to accomplish his will. He chooses to accomplish his will through us. And that's a humbling fact. And Paul, who had every reason to diminish himself. Remember, he persecuted Christians. He killed them. He was against everything Jesus stood for. He knows the law inside and out. And yet he gets ambushed on a road by Jesus and his life is transformed. You better believe he went down some kind of shame spiral. Having to allow Jesus to meet him there and realize, come to this point at a place in a letter that we could dismiss and not pay attention to, that in Christ he's learned that he has value in Christ. And it's not something, he's not taking credit for what Jesus has done. He's celebrating what Jesus has done. Because without Jesus, he would not be writing this letter. And you wouldn't know who Jesus is. Because Jesus chose to use someone not worthy based off merit. To get his name Out to the nations And most of us know Jesus today because of the work Paul did And Paul says and this is what's kind of cool is he says his work he says in this passage his work is completed But we know that not everyone knew of Jesus But Jesus led him to strategic places to plant churches and then to release them and what they know Based off what he's taught about Jesus to bring others to Christ And it's all about his glory not about what you do or don't do. It's about what he does in you and through you. And he chooses to do that. It's, it's it, one of the, the greatest joys. Sometimes it can be a real annoyance. But it really is a great joy. Is when my kids see me do something and they want to help me. It would be a lot easier for me to do it without them. Can I get an amen on that? Sometimes they ask you at the wrong time. You just want to get it done. Dad, can I help you make dinner? No. I just, I'm hungry and I want to eat now, not on Tuesday. Right? So you have that feeling sometimes. But yet, there's this delight that when we can surrender what we want and we just walk with them and they learn, and it's about, now it's not about if they get it done, is it? It's about being what? With them. What if we started seeing ourselves through his eyes like that? Does he need us to do this? No. Does he choose to do this with us? Yes. Why? So that it gets done in a certain way? No. So that he can be with you and you can be with him. And through that we can glorify him. Not diminish ourselves. Because let me tell you this. Here's a the, here's the trick of the enemy. Self-diminishment is not humility. Talking poorly about yourself is not humility. And talking yourself up in a sense of arrogance is not spiritual confidence or maturity. Humility and spiritual confidence always revolves in and around Christ. Always. There's no way around it. Humility is more saying he's greater and he can do all things and I submit myself to him. Not diminish myself. It's, humility is really what we see in verse 1 of chapter 1. I, Paul, a slave to Christ. I, Brendan, a slave to Christ. I humble myself before him and say that he's everything. And then when he uses me, I praise him and I worship him because I'm confident in who he is within me and know that I can do no th- nothing apart from him. Not a single thing. How many have tried creating life without him or fruitful things without him? It always falls short. Because most of the times, the things that we think we need or we want is not what we really need and then it's not really what you want. Because he knows. That's why he says, stay with me. So, Paul is not holding any punches, withholding any punches, even at the end of his letter. And he's always bringing it back, always bringing it back. I, Paul, slave to Christ. Without that posture, you don't have the rest of the letter. You don't. And I'm telling you, folks, I am telling you, a church, the church is. With Jesus as the head, that's the church. A church that tries to operate without Jesus is not the church. The church that has the head of Christ should be glorifying Him within everything He does in us and through us. People need to know. The world needs to know what He's done. Your life and your story is about His glory, not your own. And people need to see a church that's not afraid to walk in the confidence of Christ without falling into arrogance or going the other direction and falling into a shame spiral of self-diminishment. They need to see a church that walks with Jesus in such a way that we are not ashamed of the gospel and talking about it and let people see it within our actions. Because Paul glorifies what God has done, him in, done through him in word and deed and not just getting stuff done but how he modeled himself with everyone he was around. It is easy to read over this and go, this is not important. How we see ourselves in Christ and glorifying him out of that is very important because it's a part of testimony and making Jesus known to the world. If my strategy to making Jesus known was belittling myself, what do you think their picture of God is now? or elevating myself what do you think I'm modeling to them about God's picture now not a clear one not a good one not the right one which is why again scripture makes it very simple abide with him and he and you and you will bear much fruit without him we can do nothing simple as that John 17 father the children that you give me I I just want them to be where I am Pretty simple. With, with, with. And someday when we're on our deathbeds, it's Jesus we're going to. Not all the ministries we've done, not all of the things that we've done, but who we are in him. We get him. So we must glorify him with confidence as he moves in our lives. Easier said than done. I'm terrible at it. But I'm trying to lean into him more intentionally in those areas so that I can glorify the good work he's done through me. And that's hard for me to say out loud to you right now. Because too often, I look at what I haven't done or where I haven't measured up rather than what he's doing, which we often can fall into that trap. So it is, our, it is imperative that we work on this as a congregation, as a church family, to continue to glorify what he's doing in us and not deny it or diminish ourselves within it. Because some of those things are getting done because he chooses to partner with us. And when we say yes, something beautiful happens. Let's not diminish that. Let's glorify him in that. Lord, we thank you this, for this morning and we thank you that you see us and you know us and you choose to, to do your good work with us. And we know in you the work will get done. And what's even more important is uh, how we are um, interacting with you and experiencing intimacy with you along the journey. Sometimes we can focus so much on the destination and forget about the joy of the journey of being able to be with you and do all these things with you. I don't care what we do as long as we're with you and that you're glorified. We're so thankful that you love us. In a minute, we are gonna take communion together and the way we do it here, we believe in the priesthood of all believers and so when you're ready, you'll walk down the aisles and we've got some tables on the side and um, you can come down with a friend or family Um, or even if the Lord highlights someone to you to invite to go with you to the table. And we want to not just remember what he's done but acknowledge what he's also doing and be thankful and worship him in spirit and truth. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would see ourselves through your eyes and not our own. That we would see what you see. That our value and our significance would not be found in anything other than you who you are not what we do in your name not in how much we earn but in you so give us the courage through your Holy Spirit to continue uh, to stay where you are to invite you in to surrender daily who we are to you to give our lives to you each day Until the next one comes. So bless this time as we come to the table and celebrate who you are. What a feast. To remember you, to acknowledge you, and to continue to step into you. We pray your blessing that we would worship you in spirit and truth for the remainder of this morning. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.